0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman Live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for October the 31st in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. One of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. It is Halloween. I'm not a Halloween guy. I don't like evil holidays. I like like Christmas and the 4th of July and Thanksgiving and those cheerful, happy, wonderful holidays, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that's all I want to say about Halloween, but welcome to the broadcast. Nevertheless, we are live six days a week, two hours a day on your radio with news the networks refuse to use. Our special guest today, John Harvey, he's the state director of Brexit, or Blexit, I should say. Uh, Blexit, and uh, he's in Utah, and he's been fighting for freedom for quite a while. I met him at the Weekend Act conference, wonderful gentleman, and welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, John.
2: How are you doing, Sam, this morning? Good to be here.
1: I'm doing fantastic, sir. Tell us a little bit about your life and how you ended up in Utah. First of all, it's, it's, it's just something you don't normally see, somebody uh, promoting Blexit in the state of Utah, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I worked my way via the military. I'm from originally from North Carolina on the East Coast. And via the military, um, throughout my travels and tours to the, uh, in the Air Force, um, I landed actually in um, Mountain Home, Idaho. And I was there for about five years, and then uh when it came to get out i um decided to opt out of the military at that point in time and and, and as a matter of fact, back then they were allowing uh voluntarily leaving the military which was called the rollback and uh because there were too many people in the military, so there were often people and individual um, soldiers you know earn early out, so I took it. Stayed in Idaho for a few years. Loved Boise. Uh, I moved from Mountain Home to Boise. Had a stint there for about 12 years. And uh, I kept hearing that, you know, if you like Idaho, then you'll like Utah. Because Idaho is owned by Utah. <laughs> that's, that's what we used to say down there. So I decided to transplant to Utah in 1992. And I've been here ever since and loved every minute of it.
1: Do you like Utah better than Idaho?
2: You know what? They both are different. Uh, when I left Idaho, mind you, we were less than a half a percent of blacks were in Utah or in Idaho at the time.
1: So hold on. So let me let me say this again. So you're saying that in America it's about 12 to 13 percent of society is black. You're saying that in Idaho it was less than a half a percent.
2: Yeah, at that time it was less than half a half a percent. Wow. Most of the blacks in that okay. in that state at that time were either at Boise State University, and there was few of them. And the military base in Mountain Home, Idaho. So, and that was it. That was it. And so, it was somewhat of a culture shock for a minute. But oh what bad. I realized, living in Idaho, though I, via the military, you live in different states and countries, um, one thing you did realize was that, um, uh, you know, there's culture, you know, when you're in Germany or you're in England, it's a different culture all around. But when you come back to your own states and you live in the, state of the United States and you realize there's no blacks here, you start to see things a little bit different. You start seeing things, you know, Wait a minute. when I was living in North Carolina, when I was amongst my people, um, the attitude is different from the white people on the East Coast and those in Idaho and today Utah and that's here in Idaho I mean Utah or or Idaho you don't hear about victimizations of blacks because there's no blacks there and I often wondered being that being that I now lived in two states that are majority white and you always hear about racism and now live in a state where there's no blacks how is there really true racism here because you really don't have any blacks to be against as far as discrimination and racism so now the practice has become more of a well they must be doing it on the east coast so we must implement it here though there's not many blacks here and I learned that mentality from the two states that I lived in because you have what I call save the puppy syndrome and blacks are the puppies so when I came to um, Utah, I realized we don't have that problem here until this day. We don't have this big racial problem here in Utah that, you know, the rest of the country is having, just like they don't have it in North Dakota and South Dakota and Wyoming. It's imported. It is absolutely imported. So what we do here for us, like Black Lives Matters, for example, They import the problem to this state. The state doesn't have that problem. So that's what started to change my life around and Obama. But that's what changed my life around where I started to lean year by year more to the right.
1: Now, let me ask you this, because I I understand that, hey, if there's no black people, how do you be racist against black people? Because there's nobody to be racist against. At the same time, I say, you know what? There are a few black people in our community. The numbers are increasing uh, to some right. degree. And, and my question to you would be, how have you been treated in Idaho and Utah? Though, When a black person does insert themselves into our society or culture or whatever you want to call it, are we racist to you? Are we abusive to you? Are we unfair?
2: Let me give you an example. When I first moved to Idaho, when I, when I outlisted in the military and uh, settled down as a civilian in in Idaho, you know now it's time to live in the in the civilian world and uh before i went into the idaho into the military um i was always in the lumber industry as a kid i worked with my grandparents my grandmother and my uncle in the gardens um, when i played football was an athlete but then the summer times when i got older like the 11th grade i started working at a lumber store i worked the yards um, waiting on customers. And then, as I've gotten older and gotten out of the military, I decided, you know what, I'm thinking I'm going to go back in that industry. So, now I'm in the civilian, civilian world looking for a job. And um, You're in Idaho I where go,
1: everybody's white.
2: Where everybody's absolute white. Now, keep that in mind as I tell you the story. I'm looking for a job. I go to a place called, I'm not even going to mention the name, but I go in and uh, apply for a job. Now, This particular company is a family-owned company. And there's about five or six different stores. So I go and I apply for a job. And this is all the founders, family-owned. The owners of the company are at this particular branch that I applied for a job. Didn't get the job. But I went to another branch and applied for a job. Got the job, worked my way up, assistant s- store manager. As I'm upstairs in the office, the manager, who was a buddy of mine, says to me, John, come up to your office. So I come up to my office, and uh, we actually shared a common area for his office space. So he says to me, look at this. He gives me an application. The application says, black, do not hire. And it's my application from the original store. Now, I could have gotten pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> I could have gotten no, no, ticked on, off. Hold
1: on. Let me stop you right here, John. This is the poignant part of the story, John. Go ahead.
2: Yes. I could so when he showed me that, he thought I was going to be, you know, ticked off, lawsuits, and blah 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 blah. But in my mindset, now I mind you, I'm from the South, and I realized something with people. And people seem to forget this. Those guys that said do not hire because I'm black are from a different generation. They're from a complete generation. I understand that's because I'm from the South. So when the manager at the store that I'm at said to me, what do you want to do? I said, nothing. I said, I'm working here now. Because they sent an application to all the stores and said, do not hire because he's black just made me want to pursue a job there even more so. Now, the story to this, I mean, the best part of this story is after six years, I came the most powerful, I came the third most powerful man in that company in six years. There was the owners, the one son, and then myself. I ran everything. So we had a meeting And uh, his name is Richard, the old guy that wrote the letter, wrote the note across the original application. said, John, I know you know what happened when you first came to the Fairview store. And he said, I respect you for it. I said, so is is this why I'm in the position? I am now because you guys felt guilty. He says, no, that never changed. He says, you're here today because you worked your way up. He says, we're old school and let's be honest there's not many blacks in the state of Idaho and we weren't used to you know being around black men I said so why are we having this meeting today he says I want to give you something so he takes a check and he pushes it across the table now I didn't know it was a check at the time but I had a general idea it was going to be a check
1: All right, hang tight ladies and gentlemen quick pause the story shall continue on your radio There is no other talk show on the airwaves like Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. And we're here to tell the tale of America and Americans. And we're talking to John Harvey, Utah State Director of Blexit. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live.
0: The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine.
4: a public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Recent studies show that parents who smoke in the home are more likely to have children who smoke. Yes, in fact, my brother, he's
2: 22 now, he told me and my father that's why he started smoking. One of the reasons why he started smoking is because my dad was around, you know, and he, he, my dad. they saw my dad smoking. My dad said, okay, I don't want you to smoke. I don't want you to you know, watch
4: what I'm doing. Recent studies also show that in homes where parents don't smoke, their children usually don't smoke either.
3: I am the way I am because my grandparents taught me what not to do. They gave me morals. They gave me belief. They gave me something to believe in. They just taught me well. I love them. (laughs) I do.
4: Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: John Harvey with me, ladies and gentlemen. Utah State Director for Blexit, doing a great job in the middle of an incredible story. He was trying to get a job in Idaho. Very few black people in Idaho, if you don't know, less than half a percent at the time. And uh, basically, John uh, did not get hired at the main store, got hired at a um, second location for the company, found out they put do not hire black on his application. John didn't get mad. The story continues, John.
2: Well, we're sitting in the meeting and uh, he pushes an envelope across the table and I kind of knew it was a check, but I really didn't know for sure. And so, this is six years later from the initial application where they said do not hire black, to six years later. And um, I take the envelope and I open up the envelope, and there's a check for $80,000. I said to the uh, owner of the company, now, mind you, this time he's probably 75 years old, still active in the con- company at the time. And I said to them, I looked at the check. I smiled. I said, in, in, on any other occasion, this would be great. But I said, this feels more like an apology.
1: And the don't sue me. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. But yeah, but the thing is, you know, this is years, six years later. So I, I'm sure they had the inclination that I wasn't going to sue them because that's just not my thing. I mean... That wasn't serious enough to me. You know, in most cases when people sue somebody because of a, something like this, it's because they got the feeling hurt. That's usually what it is. And um, I said, you know what? On any other occasion, this would be great. But today, I don't want it. They looked at me. I said, the satisfaction that I have now is because I've taken that Initial application against your best judgments and worked my way up to the position I am now. Now, granted, they compensated me really well back then. So I took the check and I tore it up. And uh they looked at me as if I was crazy. I said, You guys may not understand this. But the chair that I sit in now is more important than the check you just gave me. Because I worked my way up to sit in this chair. over all the white people in the country. Even some family members. Even some sons. I was the third most powerful man in that country. Now, I was the only black employee for the entire company. And so, from that point on, I realized in my life, you know... um, I don't bruise that easy. I don't get my feelings hurt that easy. I correct it by showing people um, how to get what you want out of life without doing a lot of talking. And I carry that on till, t- till this day. And I'm that way with Blexit as well. And with Blexit, it's not about what people say, it's about the service that we do. We just did something that no chapter in the state, in the entire country with Blexit, has ever done. You know, Blexi, Blexit, the corporate policy is they want, to get, they want to have 15 new members a month. We just had the monthly status for the country, stats for the country, and Texas was number one before we posted ours, and that was 39 new members. And I said to myself, mind you, this is my third month in Blexit. I said to myself, that's low expectations. We actually done about two hundred and fifty people in one month, as a matter of fact, we did it in one week, so that will give the indication of to people what we're really trying to accomplish. We don't want to be a namesake in Utah, Utah only we want to be somebody that a group that's actually doing things you know i five pillars are you know prison reform, the real history teach people that kids and future generations, what the real history is, not the CRT version. Entrepreneurship, teaching kids, you know, there's ways of making money outside of being in the streets. Um, community service, school of choice. Those are the five pillars that we push and we were looking for as many, many members as we can get to our organization because we want to be an organization to counter Black Lives Matters and all these other radical organizations that do not, you know, teach um, conservative values.
1: All right, so in Utah and Idaho now, you've probably got maybe one, maybe 2% uh, tops that are black uh, in these states yes. still, right? Yes. And how do you yes. find uh, support for the organization going? One is there's not that many members to recruit. I mean, you know, there's thousands, don't get me wrong, but it's, you know, comparatively – Uh, But how is the Blexit of Utah organization treated uh, and supported by patriots and and, and by Americans? I agree that it's a generational discussion. You know, the older people just didn't have the same mindset or understanding that we have today. And thank heavens for the progress we've made, no doubt about it. But how has your organization been, uh, one, received and, two, supported?
2: You know, because I had already been out there publicly because of my podcast and some other things that I do and, and when I speak on. Um, what happened with me was Facebook. Another piece of history for me here in Utah, I had a coffee shop uh, that I opened up in 2020 not knowing anything about coronavirus or the COVID shenanigan and um, I didn't have a drive-through so my business was suffering because I didn't have a drive through and you know at that time they implemented you know the the salt the porous barrier plexiglass everywhere you know anywhere you can touch you have to sanitize all the other stuff
1: yeah just nuts it, on parade
2: exactly stuff that caution i mean just you know, your business is slow down but they want you to put all invest in all this pPE is what I call it so When I go to apply for the stimulus for my employees, the PPP, they tell me I cannot get it because I did not open my business prior January 1st, 2020. So that was a big problem. I can pay taxes. Everybody else can get my money but me when I needed it from the federal government. So I started speaking out loudly. At that time, my Facebook had probably 300 followers. I wasn't a really big fan of Facebook, and I was never on Facebook until I realized I need to vent. And when I vent, I vent.
1: <laughs> so, thus the podcaster I, <laughs> and John. <ladies> and gentlemen. <laughs> Go ahead, sir.
2: So I started venting on Facebook, and next thing you know, my Facebook followers was 5,000 people in a month. Excuse me, in three months. It just grew organic like crazy. And I kept speaking out. Patriots groups, you know. This is all online. And then um, Facebook kept shutting me down. I'm always in jail. I would post something. They would say something. I would call Facebook out. Every name in the book, you know. But they would never completely shut me off. Maybe because I was black, I don't know. And um so I decided to do a podcast. Well, actually I was speaking out all the time with Jamie Renda from Patford, Utah, great podcast. And um she said, "Hey, would you do my podcast?" So I did. And then she and her sound guy said, "Hey, you need to get your own podcast. Cuz Facebook's going to keep shutting you down." So, I, you know, I got into the podcast business. Doing quite well. I don't monetize. Um, And then it just grew organically from there. And then we came across Blexit. Jamie said, Hey, would you be interested in in Blexit? I said, What's the position? She says, "Uh, Leadership. I said, Okay. I don't want to be a director. I don't want you to be the boss, but I'll sit on the board. So that's how we started out. And then we had another gentleman by the name of James Sullivan. He was the. he was the director at the time and things went a different way and so I stepped up into the chair and so getting followers because I had already been out there was somewhat made it a little bit easier because I already have a had a base and most of my base is here in Utah at the time from Facebook. So once people realized we had a Blexit chapter opening up and my followers knew that we were having the you know having a new chapter in utah they wanted to join so though there's not you know people are under the perception because blacks originally meant blacks leaving the democratic party um it was blacks only
1: but now ladies and gentlemen even the term has grown and the point continues to grow. John Harvey, Utah State Director of Blexit. John says, I'm not a black American. I'm an American. We'll talk about that, too, coming up in seconds on your radio.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA
5: Radio News with Mike Fortier. Kids as young as five are closer to being able to get the COVID vaccine. The FDA yesterday grants emergency use authorization for Pfizer's vaccine for kids five to 11. Getting parents to allow their kids to be vaccinated could be the hard part, though. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona tells ABC News the PTA and the federal government will work together to address vaccine hesitancy. We
0: were on a call today with the national PTA president talking about how we can work together to make sure that we're communicating effectively uh, how this is safe, how it protects our students, our schools, and our entire community.
5: Pfizer says the vaccine is 90% effective at preventing symptomatic infection. The vaccine still needs CDC approval before shots can be administered. The CDC advisory panel meets Monday. The Supreme Court upholds a vaccine mandate in a 6-3 vote yesterday. The court rejects an emergency appeal from healthcare workers in Maine who are required to get vaccinated. The state offers no religious exemption, and those who don't comply can be fired. This is USA Radio News.
0: If cancel culture and censorship continue at their current pace, there will soon be nothing left of the truth. The Epic Times was founded to keep truth alive. We ask the questions we think you'd ask. We check facts without regards to any political agenda. No one tells us what to cover or how to cover it. We're not influenced by big corporations or political parties. Our great passion is to expose the spread of socialism and communism. We cover the Chinese Communist Party and how it works to subvert American education and politics. We cover big issues like election integrity, the exploding national debt, the fight against coronavirus, and the truth about its origins. We cover Democrats and Republicans in exactly the same way. We have a special trial subscription offer right now. One month of our printed paper and total access to our amazing online content for just $1. You'll find it at TrustedNewspaper.com. One month, $1. TrustedNewspaper.com. Help the Epic Times keep truth alive.
5: The former governor of New York charged with a sex crime. Andrew Cuomo charged yesterday with forcible touching, a misdemeanor. According to court documents, in December, Cuomo forced his hand under a woman's blouse and onto her intimate body part. Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple.
1: We have um, an overwhelming um, amount of evidence. Um, we have a victim who's been cooperating fully every day, every step of the way. Cuomo
5: also allegedly touched the woman's breast for the purposes of degrading and gratifying his sexual desires. Cuomo's lawyer denies the charge. The Lincoln Project drawing fire for an insensitive photo in Virginia... A group of anti-Trump Republicans targeting the Republican candidate for Governor Glenn Youngkin yesterday. Five Lincoln Project members are in a picture standing outside Youngkin's campaign bus in Charlottesville holding tiki torches. The torches bringing back memories of the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville four years ago. The photo drawing criticism from both Youngkin's camp and that of the Democratic candidate for Governor Terry McAuliffe. This is USA Radio News. <laughs>
1: Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. We're talking to John Harvey, Utah State Director of Blexit, Blexit Utah on Facebook. Uh, And he had an easy time uh, as he lived in Idaho for quite some time and then Utah. He had an easy time getting followers because of his incredible podcast, still on the air now. uh, The Modern Conservative Podcast. Pretty simple but clear name of who he is and what he stands for. The Modern Conservative Podcast, check it out. Uh, and uh, so John was mentioning right before the pause that, you know what, Brexit started out as just blacks leaving the Democratic Party, John.
2: Correct. I mean, that's literally what the name means. You know, you had Brexit in uh, the U.K. And the Brits leaving the uh, um, Leaving. The. EU, we call it UA. Yeah, the European Union, Union. Um, Sure. European Union, sorry, and um, so Candace Owens, who is the founder, her she and Brandon Tatum are the founders of Blexit, and um, they just wanted a better way of teaching African Americans I should say blacks, um, the true history of the Democrat Party, so here we are a year and a half later, two years later now is Blexit. And a lot of people think that Blexit is only for blacks. As a matter of fact, you know, when at the We Can Act event, people will walk by and I was said to one lady, are you just gonna walk by us and not ask who we are? She's I know who you are. You guys are for blacks, aren't you? I said, Oh no, no. No. We actually have liberals in the organization. I don't know don't know how that works, but we do have liberals in the organization because, you know, Blexit in itself is a nonprofit. It's a five oh one three C. And uh so we don't really say Republicans or Democrats. We'll say conservative and liberals. And uh now the Democrats on the other hand, they can get away with that. But because who who Candace and Brandon are the first thing that we do wrong they're going to try to shut us down so but we welcome all we are completely about service and education and reform and uh, had, like i mentioned earlier it's all about you know, the five pillars that we stand for so like once again we welcome all we welcome all and the more members we have and we bring into the organization the more powerful we become as an organization. Because there's nothing like having two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 members. So when you show up in an event such as a school board meeting, I want them to say, oh hell, Blexit is here. You go down to the Capitol, I want them to say, oh hell, Blexit is here. Not just one, two, three of us, but an army of us. And that speaks volume. Because that lets them know. Blexit is not name only. Our founder. Puts it out there. Like puts it out there. And she tells you what she thinks. Well we'll do the same thing. But in a nonpartisan way though.
1: Uh, John it's very interesting. Blexit the term has grown more and more. And more and more. <laughs> to where you know what. All of us want to uh, Exit. Uh, the uh deep state <laughs> all of us want to exit all these parties that have literally exactly. sold us down the river. all of us want to exit the government schools for promoting critical race theory and pretending we 're all racist it 's a lie uh and and all these uh, sexual deviant things going on in the schools and all this bogus doctrine taught and these divisionary tactics um highlighted and everybody wants to blex it now, buddy in
2: you know. I think that's going to become a trend because you have the Latina, which is called Lexit. They have their own version of it. Um, so the name is going to, that name term is going to become infectious. Um, I just think people don't really understand the situation that we're in right now. I think, Sam, that it hasn't really sunk into people that we're in a bad situation right now. Whether you're black, white, brown, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, and others. We are in a real mess right now. The administration that sits in power right now don't care about their constituents. It's proven by their actions. And people oftentimes forget about the phrase. It's not what they say is what they show you they come on the the news and say oh we're doing great things for example Afghanistan it was an extraordinary success and there are people that will believe that and that's kind of the problem we have with blacks in the Democratic Party as an organization the lack of history they come on the air And the Democrats will tell you their version of history. But it doesn't match the the literature of history. The history books. Hence the reason why they want to get rid of history. Hence the reason why they want CRT. So they can change history. I'm not for white people being called racist. Not for it at all. I've lived in two states. I'm from North Carolina when I lived in North Carolina I've seen racism I've seen it I've dealt with it I've had crosses burned on my front porch as when my brother and I were 16 17 years old I've seen true racism nowadays everything is racism if you're successful and you're white you're racist if you're black and you speak speak against the Democrat Party you're a sellout. You're racist to your own race.
1: Yeah, um, so today, kind of sellouts are everywhere these days, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you why. If you speak truth. Because that's yep. their narrative. It's about truth and it's about Americans standing together. I want to highlight this statement that uh, you made on another uh, broadcast. Hey, I'm not a black American. I'm an American. John?
2: I'm an American who happens to be conservative. And the thing is, we Americans are really confused when you say white privilege or any privilege the fact that you're born in the United States period you're privileged you are one of the most privileged societies in the world there's a reason why people want to come to this privileged country so anybody that's walking around here saying that one race is more privileged than the other is an idiot and if you believe that, that says something about your perception of the speakers. You know, what people don't want to un- understand, what people don't know because they don't inform people, the, our poorest 30%, this, the lower 30% of our population, as far as wealth, are wealthier than 60% of the population in the, around the world. And people don't realize that. You can go on welfare and make $54,000 a year and you're still wealthier than 60% of the population around the world per capita. But people don't understand that. So they use privilege as another way to divide us. CRT is another element to divide us. Racism is another element to divide us. And every time they get a chance to divide us, they do it. COVID is another element to divide us. The vaxxers and the unvaxxers. The science doesn't matter anymore. At one time, they say, follow the science. To Follow the science. Well, it depends on whose science you're following. So, in America, we need to learn to become Americans and stop being so much Democrat slash Republicans. Because that's another item of division.
1: And we need to jettison all these divides. John, are you a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or no?
2: I am not. My daughter is, and I right. know, know it quite it, well. She goes okay. to BYU. There's,
1: there's a reason I'm asking you this question, though. It's because now you're black and you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Some would say there's two strikes, two strikes against you. I say you've been well accepted.
2: Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, I'm not LDS, but I love a lot of things that they do. You know, sure. I did have a little tiff with the LDS, um, the church per se, not the doctrine and um, when the faith came out, the president came out, and he had stated that he recommends a follower gets a shot, the, uh, the jab. And I was yeah, by, against by that way, because...
1: By the way, I'm a yes, faithful sir. member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I take issue with that, uh, get the jab statement, too.
2: So many people did, I found out from emails and conversations, because there's this thing called separation of church and state. And what I didn't like that the church let federal government... Since the federal government couldn't do it, the church started trying to do it for the federal government. That's why I had a problem.
1: My problem with it, though, is when you're a doctor and a religious leader like that, using both of those positions to advocate for something, uh, it gets very scary about what the implications of that really are. That was my biggest concern. Stay with me, John. Hang tight. One more segment left, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to John Harvey, Utah State Director of Utah Blexit, a podcaster as well.
6: If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be, they would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal, all are entitled to life.
0: Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio.
1: Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman talking to John Harvey. He's well known for his The Modern Conservative podcast, and he's also the Utah State Director for Utah Blexit. He says, I'm not a black American, I'm an American. Uh, making the point he's not downing his heritage ladies and gentlemen he's just telling you that it's not about black or white it's about us being americans and standing up for the principles that made america great that's what it's about anyway right before the pause we were talking about the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints john is not a member of the church and he's black and i, I kind of brought up the member of the church discussion only because a lot of people who are non-members feel like man with the predominant you know faith in the area wow you know i'm i'm not a mormon i'm out i'm a black i'm out and But John's finding that not true, that, hey, he's well accepted, and he's supported, and he's friends with all kinds of patriots across this great state of Idaho and Utah, and that's really what counts as we Americans stand together. But I had a problem with the church announcing that, too, because when you're a well-known, world-renowned doctor, and then you're also a leader of a church, and you know people, uh, at least the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints— consider him to be a prophet of God. When he says something, it's like, hey, did God say that? And if God did, then I... But when you double down and have your religious leadership, and you have your doctoral leadership, there's two things to where it's it's almost forcing people to get the vaccinations, where they normally might be inclined not to get it, but by golly, if the prophet said so, if it's good enough for the prophet, it's good enough for me. I have an issue with that kind of twofold leadership scenario, uh, and then using that to influence people I would submit to you bordering on force a little bit, John.
2: You know, I completely agree with you, Sam, because, you know, the church and religion in itself is protected under the Constitution. So is our liberty. I don't think the church should come in and do the government's dirty work. I mean, we do have this thing called separation of church and state. And... When the church came out with the recommendation, I said to myself, then what happened to free agency? What happened to free agency? To right to live under the Constitution, just like the church's religion is protected, so are our our liberties and our freedoms. So I had a real problem with that. And then the thing is, you know, I've known people, I know people, and know people who had their parents go and get the vaccine who were not going to do it initially. But when the prophet came out and recommended that, they went and got the jab.
1: And I don't even have a problem with the prophet saying, hey, my opinion is the vaccines are good. Dah, dah, dah. That's fine. But when you literally come out on the news and you're promoted as the, you know, the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you have most of the apostles, and then you come out and then you say, we strongly encourage... Uh, And we, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, you need to do this. This is the only way that we're going to get over this pandemic. And when you start to paint it like that, it's a different discussion from, hey, my opinion is, you know, this is okay or do that. That's the scenario that I have a problem with.
2: Well, when they came out the recommendation, one of the things that really bothered me when they said it is proven to be safe. I had a real problem with that one. Because now you sound like Joe Biden. The vaccine has only been out, what, eight months now? Nine, what, ten months?
1: Yes. And, and we're seeing all kinds of catastrophic yeah, problems.
2: Exactly. It. I don't understand why the church or the problem would ever put themselves in that position. I don't understand that. Why would you put yourself in that position when you know it's not proven and safe? Proven and safe is when it was a five to eight year trial.
1: Um, proven and not safe. In, uh, in my opinion, also is when we go through the proper steps to validate it, uh, proven and safe. We have emergency uh, authorization right now, and you can say, "Well, no, 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 Sam. The other one's already approved." Yeah, um, we got a different name though, and you wonder it's the if the same thing patents, and you wonder if there's, but they're still giving people the um emergency use Impression. one because the other one's not available. So you know, where do you go with all this <laughs> stuff? And it's very, very. Problematic when it comes to the state of liberty. But it turns out the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis and others, sued the Biden administration and NASA over its coronavirus vaccine mandate for federal contractors. Uh, Ron DeSantis said, hey, it's heavy handed and overreached by the federal government. And I submit to you that it's heavy handed and overreached by religions, too, um, to be pushing that hard on something that we don't have evidence. A very politically divisive issue. But Ron DeSantis is standing up. But really what we have is a, in my opinion, a mandate by press release. We don't have any documentation uh, of legislation or anything lawful about that either, John.
4: You're absolutely
2: right. There's nothing right now in writing about a mandate. Right now it's an edict by uh, Joe Biden. But this this is what I tell people on the podcast, Sam. And I want people and your listeners to think about something. When the federal government says that the White House staff is is protected from the vaccine. Now, I use the word protected, and, and, and follow me on this. When the White they're House not staff immunity, is protected from the vaccine, they're they not immune. not immune. some
1: degree of protection.
2: Well, no, no, no. No, let me take it a little bit further. I'm going to take it a little bit further. When the White House pr- press, I mean, um, staff is protected, Congress staff and Congress is protected, um, over one million Chinese students are protected from the vaccine. Postal Service, because of the unions, are protected from from the vaccine. Uh, Pfizer employees are protected from the vaccine. Moderna employees are protected. J&J, which has 150,000 employees here in the United States, are protected from the vaccine. As well as the CDC, FDA, NIH, their employees are protected from the vaccine as well. What I mean by protected, they don't have to take the shot. They're not mandated to take the shot. So my question simply is this to you. If the vaccine is so great and it's so safe, why are they being protected Them from a safe vaccine? Why are they being protected from a safe vaccine? Because if this virus was so deadly, why are certain people or groups protected from the vaccine? They're not being protected from us. They're being protected from the va- taking the vaccine. That's a question people have to think about. What makes them so special? That they're protected from the vaccine. What does the government know about the vaccine that we don't know? Especially when they're forcing us to take it so hard, which is another dead giveaway. So hard they're trying to get us to take this vaccine. And I want people to think about that. Why are they being protected From a vaccine that's supposed to be safe because if it's so safe there should be no problem with them taking it
1: there you have it ladies and gentlemen you also know that congress has taken ivermectin while they call it horse dewormer and horse poop and everything else ladies and gentlemen so that's a very other interesting telltale sign uh, when people have been (laughs) given Nobel peace prizes prizes uh, for developing the human version uh, of the of the um, ivermectin as well. So there you have that. Very, very uh, interesting. John, which was worse, do you think? Which was worse, John? 2020 or 2021? For Halloween, we're trying to ask what the scariest year was. Which one's the most scary year for you? 2020 or
2: 2021? You know, 2021 was a lot worse because we're way beyond the 15 days of – 15 days and everything should reset itself when COVID first came out. I think the worst is to come, is 2022. 2021, yeah, is a rough year. I mean, you got inflation. You got um, the mandates. We're a few more months into 2021. 2022 by far will be the scariest and the most uncomfortable year for us. Then you got the elections coming up. So, Look for racism to come back out again. White supremacy. So you're supremacy. saying 2022
1: is going to be worse than sorry, 2022 2020 is going to be the
2: worst. 2022 is going to be the worst for all of us because the election is coming up. Those in power will try to shut the economy down. Those in power will try to get back, get mail-in voting again. They've got to create a scenario to justify what they. Need need to get done. Because the Democrats know they're done in 2022, even by their own constituents. They're done. Not only did they hurt Democrats and re, I mean, Republicans and conservatives and others, they're destroying their own constituents. But this, what's scary, Sam, is they act like they don't even care. So here, once again, what do they know that we don't know? Because they're not showing any concern for their own constituents right now. What's really going to happen in 2022? Are we not going to have an election? Because they've shown they don't care about the rule of law anymore because they're in power. They've shown they were circumvent the Supreme Court, District Court, Ninth Circuit Court by executive order or edicts. They're not showing any concern for the constituents right now. Joe Biden ratings down is like 21 to 28 percent, whatever poll you look at. They don't act like they care. What's really going to happen in 2022?
1: Great questions. Uh, What do you think the most scary thing about America is right now? Of all the different topics, what do you think the most scary single issue is?
2: The Biden administration. Because everything that's going wrong right now is all relative to them. Everything that's going wrong in our country right now is because of them. There's no other outside stimulus that's causing what's going on right now and the relationship with China. We've given China so much privilege to this country right now, so much access to our economy. It's, that's all because of the Biden administration.
1: Here's what I think is the most scary thing in America today. It's the simple fact that not enough Americans realize what kind of trouble we're in. I think that's the most scary thing because I believe, if, I believe in the American people, John. And I believe that the American yeah. people really understood everything that was going on. They'd be livid and they'd be standing up and doing something about it. But not, of, not enough Americans even realize um, the crisis state that we're really in. That's my, uh, the most scary thing I can think of.
2: You know, you're right about that. And I mentioned that other day on the podcast because I said to, where's our patriots at? I said, why is it in this country we don't hear about the protesting in New York nationwide against the mandate? Why is it we don't hear about what's going on in the UK? Why don't we hear what's going on in Brazil? All these and and Australia, the protest the rioting in the streets, not rioting but the protests in the streets. And it amazes me when I hear somebody from the UK or from Australia say to in a video or a post, say, America, you know why this is not happening to you? It's because you have guns but yet we have guns and our government are acting as if we still don't matter and that's what they don't
1: understand but ladies and gentlemen the new media, the new media is taking such stage John Harvey well known for the modern conservative podcast check it out We'll have John back soon in the meantime I just want you to know that a Twix commercial it's a Halloween Twix commercial, has a transgender child who's a, 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 acting in violence against his opposers. He's a cross-dressing guy. Satanism is featured in the commercial as well. Uh, some people say this is one hell of a marketing pitch, ladies and gentlemen. Insane going on in America. See, most Americans don't even realize what's going on in their country. That's the scariest part of it all. Uh, I guess what do I want to say? Happy Halloween. Haha. <laughs> John Harvey, thank you so much, sir. We'll have you back soon.
2: Thank you, Sam. Great to be here.
1: State Director of Blexit in Utah doing a phenomenal job, John Harvey. For John Harvey and Sam Bushman, God save the Republic of the United States of
3: America.